This is Chad Harrison, and you're listening to Hope Alive, applying God's word to your daily life. Hi, this is Chad Harrison, and I am the teaching pastor of Lake Community Church and have been serving as a pastor for 25 years. I'm also a practicing attorney. This podcast is designed to help you study God's word and find God's will for your life. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus' name. Good morning. Welcome to Lake Community Church's morning Bible study. We are in Genesis chapter 35. In fact, we're finishing Genesis chapter 35. I'm just going to read it to you real quick. It says, now the sons of Jacob were were 12, meaning he had 12 sons. The sons of Leah were Reuben, and that's Jacob's firstborn. And then Simeon and Levi, and remember those are the two that caused so much trouble, Judah, Issachar, and Zebulun. And then the sons of Rachel, who was Leah's sister, were Joseph and Benjamin. And uh, then you've got the sons of Bilhah, Rachel's maidservants, which were Dan and Naphtali. And always think of Dan and Naphtali together because every time they're ever mentioned in the Bible, they're always mentioned together. They're almost inseparable. When you find, whenever you find the tribe of Dan, Naphtali is always there. And then the sons of Zilpah are Leah's maidservant is Gad and Asher. And by the way, Gad and Asher seem to be together all the time. And so these were the sons of Jacob, and they were born to him in Padam Aram. And then and then it says, Jacob came to his father Isaac at Mamre, or Kirjath Arba, which is now called Hebron. And Hebron's a real place. It's a place in Israel even today, an important place in Israel, where Abraham and Isaac had dwelt. And that's the natural home place for them. And it says, now the days of Isaac were 180 years. And so Isaac breathed his last and he died and was gathered to his people, being old and full of days. And his sons Esau and Jacob were buried with him. And Esau and Jacob buried him. They weren't buried with him, but they buried him. Now you go, that seems like a weird celebration of the new, but it's not because what it is, it's a remembrance of a life. And I want you to notice a couple of things about this remembrance of a life. I want you to notice that when God remembers the life of Isaac, who was a was a, a good man, a godly man, a righteous man, a man who who accomplished a lot, a man who walked continually in the holiness and righteousness that his father did, Abraham. And in fact, he brought about many nations and he brought about a lot of good for his family. And he even built a great family. And so he did a lot of great things. If you look through the our study of the, this family, you'll find that Isaac was a great man. In fact, when he's mentioned, the, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is always mentioned. It's always brought about. In fact, three major world religions come from what's called the Abrahamic religion, and Isaac is a part of that. Isaac is a result of that. In fact, most of over half the world's population worships some form of the Abrahamic religion is what they call it, Islam, Christianity, and Judaism. And so just from a world's perspective, this man was a great man. He did a lot of great things. But I want you to notice when God mentions his death, 
I want you to notice what God sees as important and what he doesn't put in there. And notice, he doesn't put anything about his accomplishments in here. There's nothing about <clears throat> his accomplishments that God mentions. I want you to also notice, there's really nothing about um, Isaac's debts or any issue that he had. It doesn't talk about his problems and his sin. It doesn't talk about how he messed up and he struggled. It doesn't talk about how he sowed division in his family sometimes. It, it doesn't talk about any of that. I want you to notice it doesn't speak of his great wealth. It doesn't speak about, and he was a wealthy man. It doesn't speak about how wealthy he was and uh, all the cattle and enumerate all those things. He owned this company and he, and he, uh, he had this many sheep and that many goats and he had this many tents and he had traveled this many places and made great business deals. It doesn't mention any of that. It doesn't mention not one word of that. I want you to notice it doesn't talk about all the things he did in the community. It doesn't talk about all the things that he, he accomplished in his community. It doesn't speak to his looks or how people thought about him as far as his clothing or his attire. It doesn't mention any of that. It doesn't mention that when his birthday was, and it doesn't mention all the places that he went out to eat. It doesn't mention any of that. It doesn't mention that he uh, he had gone and done exactly what his father said to do. It doesn't say any of that. Uh, the main thing I want you to get out of this is the people that are mentioned in this are the people that were close to him, his family, and and his friends. And it mentions them in great detail. In fact, we already know who the sons of Jacob are, and we know about Esau and his family. The Bible's already spelled those things out for us. And, is going to give us a little bit more detail about Esau and his family in the next chapter. But as you're reading this and as you're looking through this, you realize that the culmination of his life is the relationships of his life, and it's not the accomplishments of his life. And I think that's wholly adequate and appropriate for us as we enter a new year and as we consider last year. The truth is that life is about relationships primarily and ultimately, in the end, it's only about relationships. It really doesn't matter in any other way what happens. It doesn't matter <clears throat> what you build up. And I think of people all the time and nations. There's even this thing that's out there that you can see where it shows the largest army from 1800 to 2000. And it, over time has this music playing in the background and has this list of each nation and how big the army is. And it grows and it, and it decreases over time. And you'll see this nation rise to the top and that nation rise to the top. And ultimately what was so neat about it was at one point in time, the United States had almost a million soldiers in, under uniform during World War II, 14 million. And that was the most of any army in the world at any time for the last 300 years. But we don't have 14 million soldiers in our uniform today. We're not even close to that. And during a lot of that time, Russia had a huge army. And now that army is not near as big as it used to be. And China, at the start of that, had a very small army and then grew to a giant army. And then it dropped off almost to nothing and then came back and it just ebbs and flows and sinks away. Germany had a huge army, and Japan also had a huge army times during that. 
And then there were countries like Austria and places like that rose to the top for just a short period of time. And then no more France had a huge army at one point in time, twice during that whole thing. And just really not a whole lot. I find it interesting uh, that you can see also they do that with the wealthiest men in the world. And as they go through it, each person rises and you see them get up to hundreds of millions and billions of dollars. And then all of a sudden, just cease to exist, that boom, they're gone. Why? Because they die. And you go, why are you talking about this? The reason I'm talking about this is because does his best to build up wealth and to build up power and to build up influence and to build up, and nowadays it would be likes and follows on the internet and how many people watch you and how many people keep up with what you're doing and uh, how many people care about what you're wearing or where you're going or what business you're involved in. Man cares all about those things all through life, and you build them up really a lot like you would pile a sand castle up on the seashore. And, and it may be beautiful and excellent at the moment, or you might think it's wonderful and something that is of great value at the moment. But the truth is, is that it fades away as quickly as you fade away. And you can try to amass wealth. You can try to amass influence. You can try to amass power. And the Bible calls the life of man a hand breath. And what that means is, especially this morning, being one of the coldest mornings of the year, as I get up, I can go outside and breathe out, and you'll see my breath as I breathe out. But you'll only see it for a moment, and then it's gone. And, and our lives are that way. And the wealth and the power and the influence that we, that we try to amass in our lives are also that way. They, they, it's here today, and then it's gone, and it doesn't exist anymore. And in fact, it fades away so quickly as to be amazing. And as an attorney, I deal with a lot of people in their estates, and the estate is the residue of their life, the physical residue of their life as far as their assets are concerned after they die. And so many times I, when I'm dealing with these assets and the residue of people's lives, I realize that what they thought they had, they didn't have as much as they thought they had. And it was owed to so many people that what they pass on is very little. And usually what they pass on is spent and used up so quickly as to be almost meaningless. <clears throat> but there is some, there is something that we pass on and that we carry on after us. And I want you to notice, it says in verse 29 of this passage, so Isaac breathed his last and died and was gathered to his people. And what that means is that God brought him home from where he was, and he was gathered eternally to the relationships that he had in the past to the family members that went on before him, to his ancestors. He was brought to be and to live with those who had gone on before him. And notice it says, and his sons Esau and Jacob buried him, which means his family came and buried him. And that was his true legacy. His true legacy was not all that he had accomplished. <clears throat> his true legacy was not all that he had amassed as far as wealth and power and influence. What his true legacy was his family and his friends, the relationships of life that he had and that made his life of importance and value. And I want you to remember 
that God, the God of the universe that created everything, is a God of relationships. At his very core of who he is, at the essence of how God exists himself, he exists himself personally in relationship. He is he is a communal being. He's a God who exists as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, three separate personalities, three separate manifestations of himself, and you exist that way. You're a body, a soul, and a spirit. And those relationships that we have both with ourself and with God and with each other are the most important are, are the most important things of life. They are the valuable things of life. In fact, they're the things that go on and are able to re retain eternity. I think so many times, and I may date myself for the future, but there are so many things that people want to invest in. You can bring out businesses and the stock market. Today, it's cryptocurrency and Bitcoin. And I actually think Bitcoin is a pretty neat idea. And not only a neat idea, but maybe something that is used in the future in a way that we can't imagine today. But even if that is the case, you can invest in land, you can invest in commodities, you can invest in stocks, you can invest in businesses and, and, their co and corporations that try to build stuff up. You can invest in all those things and you invest your life in all those things. And let me say this, when you die, they will fade away just as quickly as, as you put them together because it, you're only putting them together in a few short years. And the truth is, you can only pile up so much in a lifetime and it can be dissipated and going away before you ever really know it. And I hear people use the phrase generational money and they've been using that phrase for the last 20, 30 years of my life. And the people that we say have generational money, many of them I could even mention here, but I'd be dated in 10 years, but there've been many athletes, many entertainers, many businessmen who people said they have generational wealth, which means they have wealth that's gonna go on for generations to come. And many of them, by the time they died, did not have any of that wealth. It faded away because what they'd invested in faded away or they spent it foolishly or the issues of life eventually caught up and caused them to lose it. And they don't have that wealth anymore. But what you do always have is relationship. What you always will have because in human beings and in God himself is the repository of life. It's the place where life is. It's the place where eternal life dwells. And that kind of life does not dwell in earthly things and it doesn't dwell in physical possessions and it doesn't dwell in the things that we have in our own lives. It dwells in the lives of others. And if you wanna have an eternal investment, as Jesus said, store it for yourselves treasure in heaven where moss, moth, and rust cannot destroy and thieves can't break in and steal. He says, store up for yourselves treasure in heaven and, and you will have, you'll have real life. And I'd say that to you even today as you begin the new year and start a new year of work and a new year of living and a new year of being a part of the kingdom of God, I would say to you, that you need to start your life by investing in those around you, investing in the lives that God presents to you and places in your path, because those investments have eternal reward, they have eternal significance, and they have an eternal payout that cannot be measured on this earth. And for Isaac, his eternal payout was the relationships that he had. 
and the life that he lived with them and not the possessions that he gained, which were great and many. The promise that God made to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob, the promise that he made to them that was so important was, he said, I will make you a great nation, which means your descendants and your legacy will be great because of the people that follow behind you. And this morning, as you're hearing life and considering what you're doing and considering how you're going to start the year investing in the thing, the only things around you that have the potential to last far beyond this earthly realm and this physical world, and that are that is the people that you know and the people that you deal with each and every day. I pray that you do that and that you would, at the end, have many people that your life counted for and made a difference. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that he'll make his face to shine upon you, and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name.